0: We're gonna sing you some songs. Are we going, Morgan? Okay. I always have to, because when I do this, it comes up private. Oh. I see myself live. That's because I know I'm fluid in Spanish. Dos means two. Uno means one. Then after that, you're on your own. This song was a psalm that David wrote There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And I want to tell you something. We are the city. We are the city. The city set on a hill. I know there's church called the city set on a hill, but it's not a building. You're it. You're it. You're, you're the uh, Christ in you, is the source of that river, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it flows from Calvary's cross.
1: marks the day as Easter and for the church resurrection Sunday and for the church we don't celebrate the resurrection one day a year we live in the reality of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ because he said If we are His, His Spirit dwells within us. And that same Spirit, that very same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us and causes us to live by the life of God that He has given us through the cross. You know, the cross made it all possible. It changed everything. You know, it's like I heard someone say, the birth of Jesus, we celebrate and it was a very important event. But had there not been a cross, had there not been a crucifixion and a resurrection, we would be hopeless. But because He lives, we live also. May you all have a blessed, blessed Resurrection Day. We love you. We're so glad to see each one of you.
0: to see everybody I am going to uh, try and take a real long time today Nevaeh and Reagan reason being we're supposed to plant taters after this but if I can preach till dark then we won't have to so Dad has to leave. Dad, if you will go ahead and leave early, you and Lottie, yeah, go ahead and get started. I'll be there directly. I said that yesterday. It didn't show. I tell you, it's it's good to be here. Uh, I'm just gonna kind of reiterate reiterate what. Denise said is I, I don't have a, a lot today but it, I, I'm still this is part of it and maybe we'll finish up the series next week Freedom for the Tyranny of Circumstances part 5 and, and I know a lot of people you know I've never been one to uh, be holiday oriented as far as my messages or sermons go because there's only one and I used to wonder why, you know, it seems like, wow, you preach the same thing every week, maybe a little different twist or whatever, but in the practicalities of it. But, you know, the Lord gave them the tabernacle and the law and the feast for 1,500 years. They still missed the Lord, they missed the day of their visitation. Some of them got it, but some of them didn't. They didn't, I mean, He had to ask them, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know, Paul is writing this letter. We're going to be in Philippians here in a minute. He's writing this letter from jail, but he writes some other letters from jail. And this one, they say, is the last letter he wrote, 2 Timothy. And these words just, just kind of jumped off the page to me. This Paul's last letter. Now, he like the, with the Philippians, he's chained to this Roman guard, and he gets some visitors and stuff, but... Listen to what he says. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. Wonder what the gift of God is that is in you. I know a lot of people think, well, that's singing or that's you know, whatever. Man. Do you not realize the gift of God? What is the gift of God? Jesus Christ himself. And to put you in remembrance, we've talked about remembrance a long time. This is not a mental ascension thing. You know, as we would do, oh, I remember this is that that you would become aware of the present state of reality that that Christ is in you here and now in this is moment. Moment. In all of His power and all of His glory. for God hath not, listen to this, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. He did not give us the spirit of fear. How many times do people you know want to, want to tell you that that God scared me to all of this. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And of love and of a sound mind. What has God given you? What has He not given you? The spirit of fear. But what has He given you? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. You remember, Paul, last week we were talking about being ashamed, being bold versus being ashamed. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Remember, Paul says, Where his bonds are, my bonds are in Christ. Don't be ashamed, Paul says. Don't be ashamed. Why why shouldn't you be ashamed? Because he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who hath saved us. I say this a lot. Maybe not enough. I don't know. He hath saved us. He is saving us. We shall be saved. Because I know what people's mentality is. Most people's mentality is salvation means I got my ticket, I'm going to heaven when I die. But he says, we we have been saved. We've already been delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. I mean, he has saved us in that aspect. He is saving us even now, transforming us, and we shall be saved. I love when he says, the time has come and, or the time is coming and now is. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. I love this little part. Not according to our works. I love that. Not according to our works. You know, he wasn't looking and said, boy, that'll make a good one. And boy, that boy, he's done a lot of good stuff. I think I can call him. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us, we're at in Christ Jesus before the world began. But here's the verse. Now listen to this. But is now made manifest. You know what manifest is. Here here it is. It's, It's seen openly. By the appearing... Of our Savior, of our Savior Jesus Christ. But is now made manifest. How is it made manifest? By the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. By the appearing. He said, now listen, I'm just trying to get you to get up to date. Many people think that it will be made manifest in the second coming at the last day, but he said, is now. Made manifest, how? In the appearing, by the appearing, it's in the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Where does He appear? Will it please God who separated me from my mother's womb and revealed His Son in me? I'm telling you guys, you know, you, you hear people talk about that still, small voice. Where do you hear that? Doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. That's where you hear it. That's, that's where he is. Now, listen to what he said Who hath abolished death? I got to ask you something here. Has slavery been abolished in the United States of America? He's shaking his head. No, it's not supposed to be. But it's supposed to be. But you understand, I mean, there was a decree, there was an emancipation proclamation that says there's no more slavery. It's abolished. What is he saying here? Who hath abolished death? Now who, who's the one who abolished death? Our Savior, Jesus Christ. I wonder if, is that true or is that just wishful thinking that Paul says, man, maybe one of these days, you know, death will be abolished. Who hath abolished death. Let me, let me give you a, a verse in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 2, 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of our flesh and blood, just the same amount as you are partakers of flesh and blood, just as you, you are a body of flesh and blood and bones, He also likewise took part of the same. When Jesus came here, he had a body exactly like you. He had to cut his toenails, he had to eat, and he had to sleep, and he could get a runny nose. I mean, he had a body exactly like you and me. Why? That through death, he might destroy him that had the power or the authority of death who is that? That is the devil. And deliver them. Who's the them? Who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now listen to what he says back here in Timothy. Who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I'm appointed a preacher. I'm telling you guys this. I I wrote this little thing. Easter, we live it every day. We live it every day. When we go plant taters here after a while, after dark. we'll be doing it in resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Now listen to this, because I know I'm, uh, I'm I'm just talking here off the cuff. Imagine if Paul would have said, "Guys, you know what? Let's bring in the Easter bunny." Let's bring in the Easter bunny in the church. Let's have an Easter egg hunt. It'll bring in other kids, and then we can save them. Do you think Paul would ever do that? Do you think Paul would ever say, you know what, guys? Let's let's bring in Santa Claus, let's bring in the Easter bunny, man, and we'll get the world in the church. I mean, could you imagine Paul doing that? Now, why, why have we changed now? Because we think, we might lure them in. You know what that is. You know we go. You know what a lure is. That's what we go bass fishing with. You know we try to. Lure them in and catch them. No, Paul says, I'm determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If I lure them in, I gotta keep luring them in and keep luring them in. No, he said, it's nothing but the gospel. How did he abolish death and bring light and immortality to, to, uh, to light? Life and immortality to light. How? Through the Easter Bunny? Through the gospel. Through the gospel, which is what? The good news that that makes a man leap for joy. Death has been abolished. It's been conquered. It's over with. Well, wait a minute. You might say, well, wait a minute, brother. We still have funerals. I'm telling you what. You ain't never been to a funeral of a Christian believer. You might have went and put their body in the ground. But I'm telling you, they ain't there. They are are in Christ Jesus. Uh Uh-oh. Somebody's calling me. Call me on your phone if that's joe tell him i'm preaching yeah yeah if that's if that's joe joe b the big man tell him i'll get back with him <laughs> yeah that, that's all right listen colossians chapter 2 verse 8 beware now listen here's a warning Right when I say beware, you know you go up to somebody's house. They got to beware a dog sign. That's a warning, right? Beware. Paul said, "Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments or the elements of the world, and not after Christ." Now Paul was talking about the law here. But but do that today. We got our own laws. We got our own little thing. I mean, I, I remember a few years ago, man, they had the Easter bunny parachuting out of a dad gone helicopter down here in Bristol, dropping thousands of eggs, and all the churches was coming around and it was all Easter egg hunting. And they thought, This is a joyful thing for Christ. But Paul would say, Beware. Beware. For in him, who's the him here? In Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And now I got to say something. Do you, know, do you know what the Easter Bunny is? The Easter Bunny was their celebration of the God of fertility, it, it, they would have orgies. In celebration of this, so they brought this over into the church, guys, and that's the reason they celebrate with eggs because it was the reproduction, A real fast reproduction. So that's what that's what they would do at Ephesus at the at the at the at Diana at the, at those temples. They would have them big Easter orgies. So the church says, you know what? Let's do that and have that into the church and call it the Easter bunny, and we'll get some of them in. And then we'll preach the gospel to them. Paul says, be beware beware spoil you you know what you know what happens when something is spoiled you throw it out it's no good for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the godhead bodily and ye you us we are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power in whom also you are circumcised With a circumcision made without hands. The cutting off circumcision. The cutting off circumcision. Not made with hands. In the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You've been separated from that. It's it's been cut away. Now listen guys. You may not believe this. But Paul says it's true. Now see that's, that's where people get messed up. They say well. Paul may say it, but I, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, this is, you, you might not apprehend this yet, but, it, but it's there. We, it's, it's by faith. It's received by faith. This is what Paul is saying. The, the, this is the truth. This is the reality. It says, buried with him in baptism. When you were baptized, laid in the river, laid wherever you were, you were baptized in him. Wherein also ye are risen with him. Risen with him. Through the faith of the operation of God. Who hath raised him from the dead. Now it says you are risen with him. So I I just got to get this. If he raised from the dead. And you're in him. What does that make you? I've said this before, but let's do this again. Let's say this is you, and you, and this Bible is Christ, and you are in Christ, and He's down here in the grave, and you were in the grave, and when He raised, what happened to you? You raised. Why? Because you're in Him. What an illustration. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together. You know, you know what quicken means? I mean, given life. You, you were dead in your sins. You were dead in your trespasses. That was, your, that was your, your, your spot. That was your place. That's your condition. And you that were dead, He quickened. He joined you to life. With him having forgiven you all your trespasses. Now, I got to ask you a question. Have, you know, people say, well, you got to go ask the Lord to forgive you. What does Paul say? I'm just saying, I ain't much for preaching, but what does Paul say? Does Paul say, go to the Lord and beg him to forgive you? Is that what Paul said? Let me, do you want me to read it again? Having forgiven you, having forgiven you. You know what that means? Past tense. Paul never said go around and preach that they might get their sins forgiven. He said that they might receive the forgiveness of their sins. You were forgiven before you was even born. Only problem is, will you receive it? Will you walk in it? Will you believe it? Because the blood's already. I mean, there we sung the song. there, there is a river. That makes glad that, and where does it start? It started at Calvary. And out when they pierced his side, out of his side flowed blood and water. Having forgiven you all your trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Every, you know what You know what that means? That means they can't even accuse you anymore because he took everything that was written against you called the law and done away with it. As a matter of fact, what he did was he didn't do away with the law. The law is still there. The law is still holy. The law is still just and good. He took you out from under it, out from under that whole system and brought you into a whole other one. It bothers, well, I understand it, but the church wants to put up signs of the Ten Commandments and say, hey, we got to keep the Ten Commandments. Hey, it's been blotted out. Which was contrary to, to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having, listen to this. And having spoiled principalities and powers. They're already spoiled. I know everybody wants to go fight the devil, beat up on the devil. I heard somebody the other day and he was preaching and he started coughing. And he said, the devil got in me and made me cough. I'm thinking, Paul Paul said he's already spoiled principalities and powers. People's wanting to, to go have a big old war. And I'm saying... I'm going to quote this guy. Y'all might have heard of him. I'm going to quote this saying, it is finished. Y'all might have heard of him, a guy in the name of Jesus Christ from the cross. It is finished. Having spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing, whatever how you say that. I know people back here on the left is making fun of me. Will you deal with my small stuff, Reagan? Will you? Just take care of my light work back there. I don't know why Paul had to use such big words. Triumphanting. How you say it? Triumphing. Winning. Yeah. Winning over them in it. How did he do that? Yeah. You got to have interpretation when you come here. I don't know why they put them Latin words in my Bible. How did he? How did he triumph in over them? Notice how I combined them two words. I just paused in between triumph in. He raised from the dead, guys. That's how. That's how we. That's how we did it. They thought they had killed him. They thought they had. They thought they had killed the Prince of Glory. I mean, that was it. We, we've shut him up. we shut him down. When anybody would come and say, hey, where's this Jesus of Nazareth? They could all say, he's buried. He's in the tomb. We've got a Roman guard up. We've sealed it. We've rolled a stone on it. It's over. It's done with. But he was victorious. Change that word around. Victorious over it all. How? Because he rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. Now listen, let me keep reading. Let no man therefore, now listen to this, because of everything I just read, he says, let no man, remember he started off, beware, they will spoil you with their vain philosophies and traditions and, and rudiments and all that and then he goes through really that you were buried that, that he is the son of God he's the, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily you have been placed in him quickened together, raised together with him everything that was against you is, is gone now all your sins are forgiven and Christ is raised from the dead and he says because of that verse 16 let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of a new moon, or Sabbath days, or Santa Claus, or Easter Bunny, or any of that junk. That's why, guys, I don't come in here, and I know it sounds like with an Easter sermon, or a Christmas sermon, or any of those things, because that's not it. He's raised from the dead, and you're raised with Him. And if we can get a hold of that, then every day is... is, Easter day. You live, the Lord's day is life. In that day, you'll know I'm in the Father. You're in me and I'm in you. In what day? The day of resurrection. There's a brand new day. I mean, Peter says, "You, you guys don't get it just yet. But I was there on the holy mount. I heard the great voice come down that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We heard that. And he said, you know, basically Peter was saying, guys, just believe what I'm telling you. Just, just keep on believing it until the day star arises in your hearts. You know what Peter is saying right there? He says, I know you don't see it yet, but just believe what I'm telling you. When the day star arises in your heart, then you'll know. Then you'll get it. Oh, yeah. And then he says, verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body, the substances of Christ. People want to divide up days and make this day special and that day special. And, and guy, we live in the day of the Lord. Not the night of the Lord. Not the days of the Lord. The day of the Lord. I'm just giving you some verses here, some some of these that that excite me. Paul, he wrote this too in Ephesians chapter two. I say it over and over again. I say it till the day star rise in your heart. Chapter two, verse one, and you, I love how he says that, and you. That's me, that's you, and you hath he quickened who were dead and trespasses in trespasses and sin. My goodness. Your state of being was dead. I mean, it's the same thing we just read in Colossians. It wasn't the same thing we read in Timothy. You who were dead in trespasses and sins, verse 4, but God. I, I love that. What was your condition? Dead in trespasses and sin. But God, who was rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. What kind of love? Great love. Where were we? Dead. Trespasses and sin. Even when we were dead in sins. Hath He quickened us together with Christ. By grace. Ye are saved. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together. In heavenly Places in Christ Jesus. What a gift of God! What a gift of God! Let me, uh, you know, I go over these things all the time. You know, raised up together because we forget. We forget. We. I mean, over and over, and I forget, and and I know you forget, and we forget. Where we are, uh, who we're in, uh, the kingdom, and, and, and we forget these things. We have to be reminded and edified of these things and admonished to these things over and over and over again. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 6. All of this talk about grace, and see, the church doesn't get this. I mean, they say, I mean, Paul says, uh, well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because, you know, here comes the argument. Once saved, always saved, and all this. Well, once you get saved, then you've got to keep the law. You've got to try hard. you got to do all this. Paul says, don't you get it? And these people would come at him and say, well, hey, you know, I sin more. I must have more grace. And, all, and What shall we say then? Shall we sin more that grace may abound? He said, you've missed the whole thing. You have missed the entire purpose the entire thing you've missed it and I I, I I say the 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 church world at large has missed the entire thing and I'm I'm not saying that because I'm some uh, brilliant scholar here I missed it too except the Lord reveal you to you you're stuck in the dark what does Paul say? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer? He said in Colossians, you've been circumcised. That old body has been cut off. It's been put away. Why in the world? You know, we talked last week about the old lady trying to wear young people's clothes. It doesn't fit. You know, there's age-appropriate clothes. Right? Right? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I mean, Paul is asking them a question like, are you crazy? You ever ask people a question like, are you crazy? Don't you know? I mean, he says in verse 3, don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into His death? I mean, don't you get it? We thought... Baptism was membership into the church. And, you know, once you got baptized, now you could vote. And you could vote on changing the corporate color and who was going to be the deacons and all of this other stuff. He said, don't you know what happened? Guys, listen, I was baptized in the Clinch River right up there near the mill dam. A lot of people's been baptized in the Clinch or baptism, or wherever. It doesn't matter. Paul says what matters is, don't you know, you were baptized into Christ? I didn't know that for a long time. These people at at Romans he's writing to didn't know that. They didn't know they were baptized into into Christ. They just thought baptism was something that brought you into the church or gave you membership rights or, you know, whatever, you know, this this thing. I go back to that all the time. And when I have trouble, I, I, I go back sometimes and I say, wait a minute. I'm dead to sin what are you doing here? I mean, I have to go back and read it. Don't you know? We were baptized into his death, not my death, his death. See, all I can do in my death is be dead in sin. That's all I read over and over. All I can do is die in my sin. So he didn't put... Put me in my death. You're already dead. He had to take my death and put that death into Christ. And I'm baptized into his death because he was sinless. He was without spot and without blemish. Therefore, he could raise again. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. His death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead. How by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk. In newness of life. A brand new life. Walk in it. Walk in it. I seen them the other day. Walking up the road carrying the cross. And. I understand all that, but you know what? They, they miss the other parts of those things. I will say this. He got up from the dead. And people miss these parts too. He not only got up from the dead and, and dwelt among them, he ascended. And I want to say this, he did more than just to sin. He poured out his Holy Spirit on all flesh poured it out. The free gift of God, He poured it out on all flesh. Go go read 2nd chapter in Acts and you'll see. He did it. He won the right to do that. By grace are ye saved, but He won the right. And He did it. So now we can walk in a brand new life. A brand new life. Imagine that. I mean, people walk around And good days and bad days and woe is me days and dreary days. Man, do you realize what you have or who's got you? For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this. That our old man is crucified with Him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. See, sin was a tyrant. It was a tyrant. It was a slave master kept us in bond to it. But you've been delivered from it. You've been redeemed by His precious blood. Bought back. Brought back unto a new master called the Lord Jesus Christ. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now that sounds strange, doesn't it? He that is dead. How are we dead? Because we were baptized into his death. We were baptized into his death. We're free from it. He goes on in Romans 7 to talk about, you know, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive, but if her husband be dead, she's free to marry another. She says, you guys know that. What he's saying here is, is what happened, the woman was buried. She died. And if she died, When she rose again, when she died, all of that was done away with. It was was over with. And she was free from that bondage of who she was married to. And now she's free to marry another. Even the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe or we have faith, faithing that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion. Over him. Now if he raised from the dead and you're in him and he raised from the dead, and death hath no more dominion over him, and wait a minute, where are you? in Christ? So what does that mean? Death hath no more dominion over you. But he says knowing this that Christ raised from the dead dieth no more, Death hath no more dominion over him. And everybody says, Amen, brother. That's right. He's not going to die anymore. And so we pull our cross and then one of these glad days. Now remember, get this, what I'm telling you here. Now if we believe that Christ, if if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, He liveth unto God. So Christ's status is this. He died and he rose again and he liveth unto God. Would everybody agree with that? Death hath no more dominion over him. That's his status. And we say, all right, good. Verse 11, likewise. You know what that means? His status Is your status because you're in Him and He's in you. You know what likewise means? You know, in math we had this equal to. One plus one equals two. Likewise, the same. The same manner, the same way as He is, so are we in this world. As He is, how is He? He's raised from the dead. Death hath no more dominion over Him, He's free from sin. He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon, take an account, go, go get balance the checkbook out. You know, always when I balance my checkbook, of course I'm lying to you. I never balance my checkbook. Got online banking. I look at that and I'm thinking, Psh, how much do we spend at Burks? I don't. Reckon, that's an accounting term. That means get your checkbook out. And you know what you'll find? You know, most of the time when I always balance balance my checkbook, it was never in my favor. I'm always like, God, I'm going to have as much money as I thought I had. Now you're going to go balance your checkbook, and you're going to look and say, Wait a minute, I have eternal life. How did this get here? Death hath no more dominion. How did this get here? I mean, I mean, look, I mean, principalities and powers, all authority destroyed. I have a new. How did this get on my ledger? Surely by grace are you saved. You have no idea. Go look at the checkbook. Go, go look at the, at the covenant documents and see what's on your ledger. See who you are in Christ Jesus. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You live unto God. You know, there'll be a lot of people today that want to go out and they want to serve God. They want to, you know, I got to go live for God. You don't live for God. You don't serve God. You live from Him. You serve from Him. Because He's in you, and He's your life. I mean, how does my hands and arms serve me? My hand wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I think I want to serve you today. That would be pretty silly, wouldn't it? That would be just silly, wouldn't it? I mean, it's just a part of me. It's just an extension of who I am, and the life that is in me flows through my hand, and it's you, you, you see, I mean we do silly things, but we we don't come to the reality of it. I was reading last night and I'm, I'm gonna I gotta hurry here. No, I don't. We're plantators. let me let me go over here and uh, you know some people don't think the resurrection is in in the Old Testament but it but it is. Uh, we talked about Solomon a little bit on Wednesday night and uh, Solomon 700 wives 300 concubines he set up he's like mystery Babylon I mean he set up gods all over the place well he calls great division at the time Israel was one and there was, you know, after he died, there was there was division, and Rehoboam was his son. And man, he was. The scripture said they, they did evil in the sight of of the, of God. And Jeroboam, I mean, you can imagine this. They did evil, and Jeroboam. They get mad. There's a big split, and. Jeroboam, he goes north. He takes ten tribes with him. There's two tribes left down there. The Levites stay, but there was Judah and Benjamin. We know the Lord come from Judah. So there's a big church split. and They, they go. And, and Jeroboam, you, you know, he sets up. Two more golden calves. See, people think there's only one golden calf. He set up two more golden calves, one in Bethel. And Bethel was where Jacob was when he said, Behold, this is the house of God, and I knew it not. He set up one at Bethel and one at Dan, the city of Dan. And he said, You know, because I don't want the people going back down to Jerusalem. To worship, which was told in the law they had to do. I don't want them going back. So he set these up. And he said, I don't want the people being reconciled down to Rehoboam. They might all go back and be hunky-dory. So he wanted permanent division. Well, he's there by the altars. And I love how the scripture says, And there was a man of God sent. This man of God, I'm just giving you this little story here. This man of God, he was a prophet. And he come and he spoke against Jeroboam about thine altars and thine altars. And he spoke against them that these altars would be torn down. And Jeroboam got aggravated and reached out to grab him. And it says his hand dried up. So he wanted a sign. And you know the man of God restored his hand. And the word that came to him, when you go in one way, don't go back the same way. And the prophet was leaving. And another prophet came to him and said, are you the man of God that spoke down there? And he said, yes. He said, well, I'm like you. I'm a prophet. Come into my house and be refreshed. So he went back into his house. And then the prophecy came, man, you're going to die. I mean, that's basically what it was. You're going to die. I'm in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 28. Now, the prophet's been killed by the lion. Imagine this. And the sons found him and come back and told the prophet that kind of bribed him to come stay at his house. So he goes out to get the prophet. And he says in verse 28, and he went and found his carcass. Cast in the way. I love these words. Where was this carcass? In the way. Jesus said, I am the way. And the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. And the lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. Imagine that. Here lays the dead body. Here's a lion, a hungry old lion. The lion hadn't destroyed either one. And when you come up on the scene, here's a donkey, and here's a dead body, and here's a lion. Pretty wild scene, isn't it? And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it. Upon the ass and brought it back, and the old prophet came to the city to mourn and bury him, and he laid his carcass in his own grave. Doesn't this sound like Jesus? And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And it came to pass after he had buried him that he spake to his son, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulchre wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones. Beside his bones. Where do you think Paul got his revelation? We are buried. in I mean, where he, bone of his bones. Flesh of his flesh. He says, when I am dead. And Paul says, you know what? I'm dead in trespasses and sins. And when I'm dead, bury me where he's buried. Where is he buried? Baptism. And I'm telling you, there was a an, another one here in, in 2 Kings. Let me go read you that one real quick. This was uh, 2 Kings 13, a couple verses. Verse 20, Elijah, Elisha died and they buried him. Now Elisha died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming end of the year. So Elijah's buried. There's a lot of time in between. The bands of the Moabites coming in. They're being invaded. And it came to pass as they were burying a man. Listen, they, they see the invading army. They're going out to the funeral. Imagine this. You're going up to Green Hills to the funeral. And the invading army is coming in. The grave, the, the, the tomb is already there. And you say, dad, gone it. We ain't got time for long-winded preachers. Just throw the man in the grave. We got to get out of here quickly. We're going to die. So they take the man and they say, there's the Moabites. And they pitch him into the grave and they go to running. And the man touched the bones of Elisha and he got up out of the ground Alive man, just touching the bones of Elijah. And you. the scripture says you are born of his bones. And just by you being in the world and they touch the bones of the Lord Jesus Christ, life comes. Do you get it? This is what I'm talking about. This ain't something that just happens in, on Easter morning or whatever, resurrection morning. This is how we live. Touch the bones. In Him we live and move and have our being. Let me let me read you something. I got another translation. It's not. It's not up there. Uh, Morgan don't have it. First Corinthians. She can put up the King James. Uh, First Corinthians fifteen. I'm going to start verse 12. I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. I just like it. The message we preach is Christ. Pretty simple, isn't it? Who has been raised from the dead. Just think, if you could only preach that on Easter. That'd be a one-time sermon. But Paul says the message we preach is Christ who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection? For if there's no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing, and your faith is useless. Moreover, if the dead are not raised... That would mean that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God. And that would mean that we are preaching a lie, stating that God raised, stating that God raised him from the dead if He really didn't. Right? Now listen to this, verse 16, if the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. What is he saying here? If Christ is not raised, you're still dead in your sins. We can conclude from that that if Christ is raised, you're not dead and you're still not in your sins. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. I could go on and on with that, but... resurrection now let me go back over here to Philippians and you know I won't give you the history we've been through the history of this all the time but Paul writing this letter chained to a Roman guard is writing this letter because the people are saying this ain't right this ain't right and Paul says in verse 13 Philippians 1:13, that my bonds are in Christ and are manifest in all the palace and in all other places And he says in verse 14, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds and much, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I don't know if you noticed this, but go to Philippians 4.22 and listen to how Paul signs the letter when he's uh, finishing writing the letter. All the saints salute you. He's writing back to the Philippians. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household what is happening the Roman guards the the servants of Caesar's household his own Roman pagan people are becoming converted and becoming Christians because Paul is there the gospel is being manifest and they are becoming they are becoming Christians because of the bond and they they're starting to talk about it in the house They're starting to talk and just gossip the gospel of Jesus Christ in the household of Caesar, the most powerful man in the world. And he says, Philippians, you're thinking this ain't right. But he said, not only am I saluting you, but chiefly the saints that are of Caesar's own household. He didn't know, man, when he let me in here. His own household was going to be converted to be Christians and believers in Jesus Christ. This is all because of the resurrection. Paul, I mean, how did these people become uh, Christians? Paul didn't say, uh, Paul didn't tell these guys where you're going to spend eternity. Have you done the ten steps to salvation? Have you, you know, said the sinner's prayer? These soldiers are chained to Paul 24-7. Every word Paul speaks, every action, every reaction, they hear and watch Paul. Paul's just living his life here. He's a prisoner. Paul is not just writing to them, I will rejoice. I mean, we sung it in the song, I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad. Paul ain't just singing it, he's living it. I mean, they're saying, how can this man be so full of joy, chained to a Roman soldier in jail? This is crazy. We we can't comprehend it. I'm telling you what, if Paul had a victim mentality, which is this victim mentality is taking over the United States, everybody's a stinking victim. Everybody's a victim. You know what a victim is? You owe me, you owe me, you owe me. I'm a victim, you owe me, you owe me, you owe me. Get a stinking job. You owe me. If Paul had a victim mentality, he couldn't get away with that. These soldiers wasn't hearing, oh, get your sins forgiven, get your sins forgiven, say the sinner's prayer and all this. They're hearing, be united to God in Christ Jesus. What? All the gods of the Romans, they pinched incense too and was in every cubby hole. And they worshiped Mars and Apollo and Zeus and all of these others. And now they're hearing God has come to you and took you to himself and joined himself to you. Can you imagine that? That's the gospel Paul shared with these soldiers and lived with these soldiers. Then they watched Paul and they heard it again and again and again. Every time someone came to see Paul for counsel, the Roman soldier had to listen because he, he's chained to him. And Paul would say, I pray that I would have boldness, that I don't be intimidated by the power of Rome and, and that I won't try to manipulate the soldier by trying to say the right thing and to fit in and, 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 and you know, be an okay kind of guy. That I'll speak the truth, which is Jesus Christ. That in my body, Christ will be magnified. Which means not just in my thoughts, but in every action uh, of my body. The way I treat people, the way I talk when people have left. And the way I am when everybody's not watching in my body. He said what's on display, that's my body, that's what's on display. That that my body might become a showcase of God's passion. Of God's passion. That I should be joined to him and he joined to me and and he and me live here now in this Roman jail, chained to this prisoner. You know, in Acts chapter 2, it says this, well, after the Holy Spirit has come, you shall be witnesses. It don't say you shall do witnessing. Never does it say go be a witness for Jesus. It says you shall be witness, just by the way you live. I mean, he says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation. Paul is saying, this is what I believe, and it's already begun to happen. How do I know it's already begun to happen? These people are becoming converted. They're coming to Christ through my bonds right here. They're waxing bold. They're talking about it all through the palace. One by one, as they change duty every four hours or six hours, they're just hearing this gospel over and over and over and over. Christians are coming out of the woodwork. I mean, you would think, is, I mean, you wouldn't even recognize this as being Nero's house. The most cruel Caesar to ever live, Nero, and his household is bec- right under his nose. Do you get it? Right under Nero's nose, people are being converted. His own people, his own Roman soldiers are being converted to Jesus Christ. Paul in bonds. I mean, who could have thought this? So he's writing this letter and he said, oh, uh, some indeed preach Christ of envy and strife and some of goodwill. One preached Christ of condition. You know all those verses right there. But Paul says, some are doing it out of envy. Remember, he's talking about in the palace here in in Caesar's household. They're hearing Paul and some preach it out of envy. They can't stand it because I'm getting all the attention. People show up and they're not wanting to see Nero. They want to see me. Can you imagine that? Think of the controversy here. You know, people would. They said, we want to see the king. We want to bring our petition for the king. And they're not doing that anymore. They're saying, we want to see Paul. (laughs) Yeah. Changing everything, turning the world upside down. You get it now. You're getting this picture now in your head. And Paul said, These Roman people and the people, they're starting to preach the gospel too. And he said, Some are doing it plumb out of envy and strife. And Paul says, It don't bother me. Christ is being preached. You get the picture now of what's happening in this household. He's being proclaimed. He said, Bless God. It's all over the palace, it's all over Rome. They're talking about it, they're gossiping it everywhere. Paul didn't say, hey guys, you know what, we're we're here to take over Rome. But Paul says, in the midst of what appears to be the greatest power on earth, which is Rome, there will be a demonstration, a manifestation that Jesus Christ is really God. God has really raised Him from the dead. He's alive. I'm in Him. He's in me. And it will be shown right here in the midst of these circumstances. And he says, I'll do that by the supply of the, of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And what he's talking about is this is. what I'm saying this is, you know, now is, this, this is. We've been raised in a culture that says it will be. After you do this and after you do this and say the sinner's prayer and do the ten steps, it will be. No, Paul is saying it is. It's finished. He did it. You, you is. You is. It's not, going, it's not something that's going to happen when revival comes. Revival came. Listen, revival came. Revival came on that morning when the stone rolled away. Revival came. We don't need another one. You is. You is. I'm telling you, they can put up every sign. They can can revival themselves to the blue in the face. And I'm going to say you is. Christ who is life lives in you. Now you is. You is alive in Christ Jesus and he is alive in you. You're you're raised with him, seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You is. Who needs a stinking revival? You've already been revived. You've already been raised. It doesn't happen when you've rededicated yourself 47 times every Sunday. Or whatever it is that they do. It is. You is. When you leave and you say, what was the message today? You is. That's why all the prayers of Paul say, open the eyes of our understanding. Why? That you might see, that you might know, that you might understand what is. Who is. That you might know. Paul's going to send this letter that, that I might know him Wow, this is. Come to know that you might come to know what is. I mean, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ has ascended. And he sits at the right hand of God and you are there with him. You are one with Christ. God opened our eyes. And sometimes he does that in the grocery store. When we're standing in line, I'm going to read you this, these verses, and I'm going to close. Philippians 3, 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, Paul even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Jesus. Enemies of the cross of Jesus. Of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now remember, I'm still in Philippians. Paul is chained to a Roman soldier. The gospel is being preached. Christians are being saved in the palace. Right? Don't forget that scene here when you read these verses. For our conversation, our our uh, citizenship, our state of being, it's his conversation, our, our state of being is where? In heaven, not in the palace, not chained to this Roman guard. Our state of being is in heaven. He says, do you get that? I know you're looking to say, well, Paul, you got chained to you chain your Roman guard. He said, no. Our state of being is from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's he looking for him? Where's he looking for some glad day? I'm looking for his appearing to be here. He's going to tell us next week the earnest expectation. I'm waiting for Christ to be manifest in my body here amongst Nero's palace today in this very place. Do you get this? Who shall change our vile bodies. And I know you can bring this over into the resurrection. But right here it looks like I'm a, a vile, no good, nobody, nothing. Chained to this Roman soldier. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like into his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Do you get that? My goodness right amongst Nero. I could imagine as he signed that letter and these Christians who were Roman soldiers and and pagans have now become followers of Christ and he puts that salutation in here that these people come and and they're telling Paul, Paul, when you tell them, say, we salute the, the Philippian church with you those of Caesar's household. Guys, that's the resurrection. That's the way we live every day. And I'll quit with that.